This is 41 Strong with Chuck Tate. A shot of encouragement through scriptures and stories. 41 Strong. Hey everyone, welcome to 41 Strong Podcast. My name is Chuck Tate. I want to thank you for being willing to join us today. Before we get into today's topic, just want to remind you what 41 even means, why the name 41 Strong. I'm the author of a book called 41 Will Come, where we share um, the biblical significance of the number 41. Oftentimes in Scripture, the number 40 represents a season of waiting and a season of trial. But the number 41 delivers the breakthrough in the second chance. For example, it rained 40 days and 40 nights. 41 came and the rain stopped. Moses committed murder and then hid on the backside of a desert for 40 years. 41 came and he received a second chance when he was commissioned by God to be the rescuer of Israel. Goliath challenged David 40 consecutive days, begging, not David, the, in the nation of Israel for 40 days, begging somebody to fight him. And on day 41, David responded to that challenge when he stepped onto a battlefield and took out Goliath. So the message of 41 will come is this. Whether or not you're in a downpour where life is just raining hard on you, don't quit. Maybe you're in a wilderness or a desert desperately in need of a second chance, or perhaps there's a giant that's standing between you and your dream come true. The message of 41 will come is don't quit because, guess what? The rain's going to stop. That second chance is going to come your way. God will extend grace and mercy to you, and that giant is going to fall. 41 will come. So for more information about that, you can go to my website, ChuckyTate.com, ChuckyTate.com. All right, well, let's get started on today's podcast. We're going to conclude where we left off last week. We're talking about emojis. In fact, Emoji Life is the title. This is part two where we're going to get into expressing the emotions of, of sadness and of laughter. We need to laugh. There's a time to be happy. There's a time to be sad. We know there's a time to weep, but there's also a time to laugh. That's found in the book of Ecclesiastes. We're going to get to that in just a moment. But I do want to talk real quick about emojis, just to make sure you know what an emoji is. If you're watching this on Instagram Live or Facebook Live or YouTube Live, or perhaps you're revisiting this through iTunes, then you know how to communicate electronically. And an emoji is just a little icon, it's just a little image to communicate or to express your emotions via text. But let me, let me give you the official definition of emoji. It's a small or digital image or icon used in electronic communication to express the emotional attitude of the writer or to communicate a message playfully without even using words. That means you can be texting back and forth with a friend, and you don't even have to use words. You can simply reply 
with an image, with an emoji, a happy face or a sad face or a LOL face or whatever, right? Um, a ice cream cone, that's not really an ice cream cone, all right? It was meant to be one, but people don't use it as such, all right? If you are using social media right now or you're on your smartphone, then you have used an emoji. In fact, a lot of people have created personalized emojis to make it look like themselves. I've done that too. So we're going to talk about expressing our emotions. We know that our emotions are a result of being made in God's image. Everyone watching or listening right now, you have been made in God's image, right? So when we express our emotions, we are reflecting God's emotions because God is the very one who created our emotions. So the question that we need to ask ourselves is this, am I expressing my emotions the way God intended? Because since we're reflecting God's emotions, we're either doing a good job at that or we're doing a bad job at that. And we don't want to distort God, right? We don't want, we don't want to represent Him in the wrong way. So today, we're not necessarily talking about the emotions that we feel. We're talking about expressing those emotions the right way. In other words, how can I express my God-given emotions without compromising my character? All right, it's easier said than done. We know that when we use an emoji, sometimes that emoji, it, it communicates louder than our actual words. And we know that when living life, our actions scream louder than our words. All right, so let's make sure that we are reflecting our emotions the right way. So I want to go to a key scripture. I, I shared this last week. First Peter chapter 1, verse 13. It says, so prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control, all right? So we know our emotions come from God. There's nothing wrong with feeling happy, feeling sad, feeling up, feeling down, all right? We all have emotions. We all express our emotions. It's not even wrong to express the feelings of anger, sadness. However, we want to make sure that we express them without compromising our character. We want to express them in the right way. And Peter tells us, if we're going to do that effectively, then we need to exercise self-control. This is why Paul said in Galatians that we need to walk in the Spirit so we don't give in to our flesh. And when we walk in the Spirit, we're going to produce attributes. There are nine attributes called the fruit of the Spirit. One of those is self-control. This is so vital to representing God in the right way. And I'm going to share, I'm a work in progress. I don't always express my emotions in the right way. Let me read this to you from the message translation. It says, don't lazily slip back into those old grooves of evil. Uh Uh-oh. Doing just what you feel like doing. If we do what we feel like doing, then we're going to get ourselves into trouble. Our culture screams, do whatever feels good. If you feel like doing it, doing it. Hey, I'm not going to judge you. Here's what God's word says. Don't do what you feel like doing because a lot of times our feelings get us into trouble. Okay, again, it's not wrong to feel happy or sad. It's not wrong to feel anger. What we do with those feelings is what truly matters. Now, we used to live a certain way before we came to Christ. The word is crystal clear that when you confess Jesus to be your Lord, when you come to Christ, a transformation takes place. We change, right? We don't talk the way we used to talk. We don't do some of the 
things that we used to do. We don't say some of the things that we used to say. That means we might not watch some of the things we used to watch. We might not listen to some of the same music that we used to listen to. We need to make sure that we're building up our spirit, that we're edifying ourselves, so we don't easily slip back into these old grooves of evil, doing just what we feel like doing. He says, we didn't know better before we came to Christ, but now we're on the hook. There's no excuse now because we have come to Christ, we've been changed, we should know what the Word says, therefore we should be moving to be like Jesus. This is why it says, as obedient children, let yourselves be pulled into a way of life shaped by God's life, a life energetic and blazing with holiness. That means when we feel anger, because we are followers of Jesus, we should strive to express that anger without compromising our character. We should express that anger the right way. I shared last week on this podcast, I shared in my church this weekend and last weekend, that I'm a work in progress. Most likely, you're a work in progress. Sometimes, I express my emotions the right way, and sometimes, I express my emotions the wrong way. Sometimes I'm doing good, and sometimes the train comes off the track, and I lose my mind, especially when it's time to get the kids ready for school, right? So anyway, you, you've probably struggled with the same thing. At times, I feel like I'm just, man, I'm, I'm, I'm yelling. I'm, I'm getting ticked off because my kids aren't in the car yet. We live 20 to 25 minutes away from our school, so we've got to leave on time. And there are times where, man, I'm just losing it. There's times where I lose it when we're getting ready for church because I'm like, we're on the way to church, and everybody's fighting. It's been a crazy morning, and I'm the preacher. I've got to be there on time. So I'm yelling, everybody just sit out and shut up. We're getting ready to go worship Jesus, right? I hope you can feel my pain. I'm a a work in progress. So as I shared this a a week ago in our three services at our, our church that I lead, Rock Church, my kids were in one of the services. They, they go to one of the services, they go to their class in one of the services, and they usually serve in one of the services. So um, that's, that's what they do every weekend. So they were in the service when I was sharing how there are times where I get so mad that I actually break their spirit. And that's not a good thing. I don't want to be like that. I don't want to get so ticked off. I don't want to express anger in such a way that I'm breaking their spirit. There's a difference between disciplining our kids in the right way and just being a jerk. And there's times I'm a jerk. And I don't want to be like that. I want to be more like Jesus. I know that Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13 that love is patient. Love is kind. I need to be a patient father. I need to do what 1 Peter 1 says. I need to express self-control. And I don't always do a good job. But I'm working on it, and I expressed this last weekend. Well, here's what happened just a few days ago. It was in the afternoon or evening. We're at home. Something was going on, and I got a little bit worked out, worked up, I should say. And um, I wasn't doing the greatest job of expressing my emotion of anger, right? So my daughter stopped me, and she said, Hey, Dad, you know how you preached about this last Sunday? I said, yeah. She says, you're doing it again. <laughs> and I actually, I actually laughed. And I said, oh, touche, you got me. Okay, I, I need to chill out. I need to calm down. And um, for those of you listening and watching today that don't know, I wear hearing aids in, in, in both of my ears. And so sometimes in the morning, I don't even have them in yet, so I'm really loud. And the kids will be, hey, 
put your hearing aids in. My wife will be like, put your hearing aids in. My kids will be like, quit being so intense, chill out. And I don't even realize it. So I'll put my hearing aids in and I'm like, okay, I need to bring it down a notch. All right. So before we get into talking about sadness and laughter, I I just want to kind of wrap up. Last week, I I, I spent the majority of our time talking about expressing anger. So I do want to reiterate a couple things. Jesus expressed his anger. It's not wrong to express anger. It's not wrong to feel anger. All right, God gave us the ability to get mad, and there are some things that should make us mad. When we watch the news, there are things that tick us off. You know, when, when people get shot up at a school or a church, that's not cool. That should make us angry. We want to express our anger in the right way. There are things that happen every day in our life that make us mad, especially if you drive, right? If you drive and you have to drive, if you commute, if your commute to work is longer than five minutes or your commute to get, taking the kids to school is longer than five minutes, guess what? You're going to have an opportunity every day to get ticked off at other people that are slowing down at green lights, all right? That's a whole other podcast. Ephesians 4 says this, don't sin by letting anger control you. In other words, don't give anger a foothold to the devil. That's what it actually says. The CEV says, don't get so angry that you sin. Jesus got anger. Jesus, got, he got angry. He expressed anger. He was upset with the religious leaders. There were times where he, he was upset with his disciples. There was that time where the religious leaders, they turned a house of prayer into a den of thieves, and he flipped the tables, man. He cracked the whip. He was obsessed, and he expressed his anger in the right way. We want to make sure that we do the same. So it's okay to get mad. Sometimes we need to take a posture of silence, and sometimes we need to plant our feet, and we need to declare what the Word of God says. We need to allow that righteous anger to stir us to action. All right, but we need to do it without compromising our character. We need to do it without sinning. All right, and I just want to stop right here to say um, that today we're actually going live on Instagram as we're in the studio, and I know a lot of people are, are giving shout-outs and saying hello, so I just want to say thank you for taking the time, um, you Instagrammers. I appreciate you. You, you rock. Thanks for the love. I'll try to, to look back and answer some of the questions. And um, for those of you that join on Facebook, same thing. Appreciate you. All right, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 says, Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything that you say be good and helpful. In other words, when we're expressing anger, are we encouraging people? Are we tearing them down? We don't want to tear people down. We don't want to use abusive language. So we can express our anger without being abusive, without being a jerk. In fact, verse 30 of Ephesians chapter 4 says, don't bring sorrow to the Holy Spirit by the way you live. Uh Uh-oh. That means we can express our, our emotions the wrong way that literally brings sorrow to the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you. That freaks me out. I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. I don't want to cause sorrow to the Holy Spirit by how I'm acting, by how I'm expressing my emotions. I want to make sure I'm doing it in the right way. Amen? Amen. All right, so let's, let's move on to the emotion of sadness. We have about 15 minutes left, and we're going to talk about sadness and laughter. They both come from God, both of those emotions. They both were created by God. Again, we're creating God's image. So let's talk about sadness for a second. I know some of you that are watching and listening today, you're in a season of sadness. Some of you are in a season of grief. We know that we're, there's times when we lose somebody we love and we grieve. 
There's nothing wrong with grieving. That's natural to grieve. It's healthy to grieve as long as we don't stay in our fetal position 24-7. God does not want you to live in the valley. We walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We don't stay in it. We don't camp out in it. We don't live in it. We go through it. So we're going to talk about really allowing Jesus to help walk us through that season of sadness. I want to point out, it's not a weakness to weep. It's not a weakness to cry. All right? A lot of times, um, especially men, we're told that it's a weakness to express the emotion of sadness to the point where, we, where we're crying. It's not. That's a strength. The shortest verse in Scripture is John eleven thirty five. It's two words. Jesus wept. When he was at the tomb of Lazarus, he wept even though he was about to raise Lazarus out of the grave. He still felt sadness. He was so overcome with sadness that he wept. Ecclesiastes says there's a time to laugh, but there's also a time to cry. If we keep anger in without expressing it, we'll blow up. We'll turn into a ticking time bomb. If we keep our sadnesses, if we keep that in and we don't express it, we'll get ourselves into trouble. We need to let it out. So go ahead and cry big, sloppy, wet tears. It's all good. All right? There's times we need to let that out so God can heal us. Jesus was troubled. He was sad that one of his disciples was going to betray him. He was troubled by that. He expressed sadness. It's okay to express sadness. And we can express it, again, without compromising our character, without dragging everybody else down around us. We want to express sadness in a way that others are going to lean into us and hold up our arms and to help us to get through that. All right? Jesus, he was crushed with grief when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He knew he was about to go to the cross. It says that he was sweating drops of blood. Jesus knew how to express sadness. He did express sadness. And the good news is because he was sad, he is the one, the very one, who could help you in your sadness. Psalms 34, 18 says that he's close to the brokenhearted. So if you're in a season of grieving right now, if you're in a season of sadness, lean into Jesus because he's the very one who will rescue you. The second part of Psalms 34, 18 says that he rescues those whose spirits have been crushed. So if your spirit is crushed, it's okay. There are things that happen in this life that shouldn't have happened. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. There are things that you've gone through that you won't ever forget. When people say, hey, we forgive and forget. No, we forgive, but we don't forget. There are times, there have been things that have happened to you that are the result of a fallen world, that are the result of a very real devil who's not in hell, who's not some red cartoon character with a pitchfork, but he is a very real enemy who's like a roaring lion who roams this earth looking to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And he does, he does a good job with it. There, there's always going to be pain. 
in this world. There's always going to be sadness. Someday, hallelujah, when we go to heaven, no more sickness, no more sadness, no more grief, no more pain, no more suffering. But, in still, but until then, there will be seasons of sadness. And the only way out of those is not to be angry at God, but to run to God. And when we run to Jesus, we're running to the rescuer, the only one that's going to help us get out of our hole, get out of that grief, get out of that sadness. He's the one, so allow him to help you today to get through that season. Amen. I want to I just give you a, a, an example. My, um, my own father-in-law, we lost him right before we planted our church almost 20 years ago. It devastated my wife. We got a phone call that they felt he had a heart attack and we needed to get to the hospital. We got to the hospital and he was gone. We prayed the whole way to the hospital that God would spare his life, that God would heal him. But that didn't happen. Am I angry at God? No. Do I wish he would have lived? Absolutely. Did we, we grieve and experience overwhelming sadness? Yes. How have we dealt with that? How have we gotten through it? By leaning into Jesus, not being mad at him. Why? Because we're, we're not like people who don't have hope. We know that someday Jesus, man, Someday we'll be with him forever and we won't experience sadness anymore. But until then, we're, he's the one that's going to help us get through those seasons. And we're, we rejoice that my father-in-law is, is healed. He is with, with Jesus. Does my wife still get sad? Yes. Are there things that remind her of her father all the time? Yes. My, my, my wife was an only child. She had no siblings. She was a daddy's girl. It broke her heart knowing when he died that she... He would never get to be a grandpa. He passed away before we had kids. That still bothers her. There are still holidays and moments and memories that would just jar her emotions, and she weeps, missing her dad. That's normal. It's okay for her to do that. But I, I want to point out that she doesn't live in the fetal position. She still enjoys life. She still laughs. She still embraces her role as a wife and as a mom. So don't let the enemy hold you down in your sadness today. It's okay to laugh. Even in your sadness, even, even though you miss somebody you love, it's okay to laugh. That doesn't mean that you don't love that person anymore because you're enjoying life. That person would want you to enjoy life. My father-in-law would want my wife to enjoy life, not to stay in a fetal position 24-7 every day. He's not coming back. She's got to move forward. But that, that doesn't mean that she won't still feel sadness. That means she's not going to live in that sadness So I want to encourage you today to let Jesus heal you. A great example of this is found in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 12. And I don't have time to read it, but you're probably familiar with the story of David and Bathsheba. He committed adultery. He committed murder. The result of his adultery was a child. And the prophet Nathan told David that his child was going to die. David did everything he could to prevent his child from dying. It says he begged God for seven days, fasting, praying. He wouldn't eat. He wouldn't get off the floor. He was in that that fetal position, begging God to spare his child. But it wasn't enough. And that child died. And those close to David, they were freaked out once the child died because they saw how he was acting before the child died. And now they thought, oh, man, he's going to completely lose it. They said, man, while the child was alive, um, man, David, he wouldn't eat, he wouldn't sleep, he was a basket case on the floor crying. Now that the child is gone, what's going to happen? But the scripture says that David 
he saw him talking. He knew what was going on. And he asked him, hey, is the child dead? And they said, they said yes. And it says he got up and he ate. He put on lotions. He changed his clothes. He cleaned himself up. And he went to the temple to worship. Now, what a message here. The devil wants you to not just get knocked down. He wants you to stay down so that you can't get back up. The message of this is to get up, clean yourself off. Man, go to the house of God. Let, begin to worship and let Jesus heal you. He's the only one that can. And they didn't, the people around David, they didn't understand this. They said, you know, wait a minute. When, when the child was alive, you, you wouldn't eat. But now that he's gone, now you're eating. We don't, we don't understand this. Here's what David said. I fasted and wept while the child was alive. For I said, perhaps the Lord would be gracious to me and let the child live. But why should I fast when he is dead? I can't bring him back. I might as well get up and move forward. And that's what we have to do. And that doesn't mean that we're okay with what happened. We're not okay. My wife's not okay that her dad was ripped from her life early. She's not okay with that. But she's not allowing his death to keep her from living. So the message is let's get up. Let's let Jesus help us through our season of sadness. And there is a remedy, by the way. That remedy is laughter. All right, I saw this online recently. Your pity party on Facebook should have been created under events so we could have chosen to attend or not, right? That'll preach right there. Somebody else said, when no one's joining in on your pity party, maybe it's time you left it too, all right? Maybe it's time for us to, to learn to laugh. So let's talk about laughter. We have a few minutes left. Let's talk about that remedy because the Bible does say laughter is a remedy. We know it's a healing balm. It can, it can actually help us in our time of sadness, now, I mentioned earlier that Ecclesiastes says there's a time to weep, there's a time to die, but there's also a time to live, and there's a time to laugh. I love to laugh. I love to have a good time. I like to make other people laugh. Laughter is good, all right? We should have fun. We should make whatever we do in life, we should make it fun. In fact, I'm reading a book right now by John Acuff called Finish, and this is what he says. Fun is a mortal enemy of perfectionism perfectionism thinks fun is a waste of time and holds no value. Here's what he says. Fun counts, right? So go ahead and have fun. Go ahead and laugh out loud. Here's what the Word of God says. Proverbs 17, 22 says, a cheerful heart is good medicine. All right, that phrase cheerful heart is translated as laughter. Laughter is good medicine. A broken spirit, it says, will sap your strength. But laughter, that means laughter is a remedy to our sadness. So we can lean into Jesus, let him heal us, and go ahead and laugh. Go ahead and enjoy life. Go ahead and have fun. The message translation says that a cheerful disposition is good for your health. In other words, if you need to get stronger today, learn to laugh. Learn to laugh out loud. Don't just type LOL and don't without laughing. Sometimes that's just, we do that as a courtesy. Somebody texts us a joke. It's not funny. We're like, LOL. I'm not laughing, but you know what? I feel bad for you. So here you go. LOL. No, go ahead and laugh. Enjoy life. Laughter is medicine for misery. Laughter is medicine for a season of mourning. Laughter is an antidote for anguish. Laughter is a prescription for heartbreak. Laughter is a prescription for, for heartache. You know what? It's also contagious. 
This is why you could be with a group of people, and if one person starts laughing, someone else starts laughing. Pretty soon the whole group is laughing, and sometimes you're laughing, and you don't even know why you're laughing. You're just laughing, and milk's coming out of your nose, and you feel better. This is why you could be in a bad mood, and you come to church, and you worship like David did in his season of sadness. Worship enters in, ushers in the presence of God, and in the presence of God is fullness of joy, and joy is a choice. Happiness is based on your circumstance, but that means you can say, you know what, I'm going to choose joy, and the next thing you know, you put on that garment of praise, and it lifts the spirit of heaviness, and you're having a better day, and you're laughing out loud, and you're enjoying life, even though you have still experienced loss. It's sadness. The enemy wants you to stay down in the fetal position, but the message in the word is to get up and let Jesus heal you and go ahead and laugh. That's the remedy. That's the medicine. Proverbs 15.30 says, A friendly smile makes you happy. Good news makes you feel strong. The apostle Paul sat in a jail cell and said, Rejoice. He said, rejoice in the Lord always. Then he said, I'm going to say it again, rejoice. So if Paul can choose joy chained to a wall, then we can choose joy today regardless of what kind of loss we've experienced. And when we choose joy, that's what's going to help you make it. That's what's going to strengthen you. After all, Nehemiah 8.10 says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. All right? So before we wrap up, let me break this down to you scientifically. I don't even know where I read this, where I got it, but I'm going I'm to read this to you before I wrap up. When we laugh, our body performs rhythmic, vocalized, expiratory, and involuntary actions. Fifteen facial muscles contract, and there is electrical stimulation of zygomatic major muscle. That's the muscle that extends from each cheekbone to the corners of your mouth. It raises the corners of the mouth when a person smiles. Currents of varying intensity produce a wide range of facial responses. The respiratory system is upset by the epiglottis half-closing so that air intake occurs in irregular gasps rather than calm breaths. Under extreme circumstances, the tear ducts are activated so that while the mouth is opening and closing, there is a struggle for a sufficient amount of oxygen intake. The face becomes moist and often red. Noises often accompany this odd behavior ranging from snorting to controlled snickers, escape chortles and spontaneous giggles to ridiculous cackles, noisy hoots, and uproarish guffaws. So go ahead and laugh, and while you're at it, laugh out loud. Psalms 126 says, we were filled with laughter. We sang for joy. That's right, you can sing for joy. This is why, again, you can be in a bad mood when you get to church, but by the time worship is over, you're crying, you're laughing, you're smiling, you're feeling better because you've been in his presence. and his, his, In his presence, there is a fullness of joy. You know, President Lincoln was asked how he handled the stress of the Civil War. How did he make it? This is his response. If it hadn't been for laughter, I couldn't have made it. If I do not laugh, I should die. That's what Abraham Lincoln said. The Mayo Clinic says laughter aids breathing. 
It says laughter stimulates your immune system. Hearty laughter is cardioprotective. What's that mean? It's good for your heart. Laughter decreases stress hormones. So when the Bible says laughter is medicine, it's not lying. Proverbs 14, 1430 says a relaxed attitude can lengthen a man's life. That means if you will just learn to laugh and chill, you'll live longer. That's what the word of God says. That's what science says. That's what medical professionals say. So let's follow it. Let's learn to laugh. My last verse in closing is this. Proverbs 15, 15 says this. A happy heart is a continual feast. If you're despondent, that's going to bring trouble. But a happy heart is a continual feast. Did you know that kids laugh about 400 times a day? And adults only laugh 15, 15 times a day. We need to learn to be like kids and laugh. I mean, when you're a kid, someone can walk up to you and hit you in the face with a wiffle ball bat. And it'll hurt for a second. It'll sting. But then you'll be like, <laughs> right? And you just laugh. All right? It doesn't happen when we're older, right? We need to be like kids. We need to learn to laugh. We need to push the pain aside and just enjoy life, enjoy the day. Because here's what the message translation says. A miserable heart means a miserable life. A cheerful heart fills the day with song. Miserable heart, miserable life. Happy heart, happy life. Let's learn to laugh. Let me pray for you. All right, Father, right now, I just lift up everyone who is watching, everyone who is listening, whether it's on Instagram or Facebook or they're driving in their car, listening to the podcast via Antoids or their or. Uh, not, not Altoids, but uh, God, if they're listening via iTunes or their Android phone, how, whatever, however they're listening or watching today, I just lift up those that are going through a season of sadness. And I just pray, God, that you will hold them, that you will come close. Your word says in Psalms 34, 18, that God, you are close to the brokenhearted. You rescue those whose spirits are crushed. So I thank you that you are going to help us express our emotions the right way. God, that if we're angry, we're not going to sin in our anger. God, for those of us that are sad, we're not going to stay in the fetal position, but we're going to get up and we're going to let you help us and heal us. So help us to learn to laugh out loud in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, I want to thank you guys for participating today and 41 Strong. We look forward to seeing you soon. For more information, you can go to ChuckyTate.com, ChuckyTate.com. For those of you that have read my book and reviewed it on Amazon, thank you so much for doing that. We look forward to seeing you next week as I have a special friend who's going to join me live from Atlanta to talk about a ministry called City Takers. So for, for, my, for, for my producer, Mike Sable, I'm Chuck. We'll see you next week on 41 Strong. Bye-bye. PeoriaLife.com